Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Good morning, folks, and welcome uh, once again. This is your host, Jose Negron, on Voice America on the Variety Channel, hosting the lead technology show, T3, today, tomorrow's technologies. Uh, As always, I'd like to thank our audience for participating. Uh, We're seeing steady increase in our T3 throughout the United States and, of course, our international audience. As a reminder for everybody, uh, the purpose of T3 is really to bring the geeks together with the non-geeks and and work out the non-techie discussion on new technologies and innovations and how that impacts our life. And uh, I have a special guest today. Our podcast today is uh, Robotic Combat. Yes, BattleBot is back. And I have a very, very special guest, uh, Mr. Trey Roski. We'll get into Trey's bio a little bit. But I'd like to keep the audience involved in the T3 show. So if you have any questions, uh, call us on 866-472-5788. Or email us at todaytomorrowstechnologies uh, at gmail.com. As a reminder, uh, this is a topic uh, with lots of discussions. We're going to talk about uh, robotic combat and bottle bats with uh, really the co-creator, the producer, and a former competitor, uh, Mr. Trey Roski. Trey, uh, Trey and I have known each other for over 15 years. Uh, then we went off on our separate ways, and he, he was working hard to get BattleBots back on, on TV. His co-creator, Greg Munson, uh, instrumental from the beginning to now, and now they're back. They're on TV. They're working on their, uh, I believe, their eighth season, uh, both in the Discovery and the Science Channel. We'll talk a little bit about that. A little bit about Trey. Uh, first of all, uh, Trey and Greg Munson are co-creators of BattleBots. It's a hit TV show, premier sports of robotic combat. Uh, competitors design and operate remote control armed and armored machines designed to fight in an arena, resulting in a combat and elimination tournament. Trey graduated from Finance, California State University at Long Beach. He worked for his dad for a while and probably most likely decided he wanted to move to San Francisco, get independent. Him and Greg started their company in 1995, Impact Media Group, uh, and they went on to uh, do a web design company. At that time, uh, they were heavily involved in the underground robotics combat, dominating local competitions with their robot love machine. They went on to win numerous uh, national and international competition, and the desire to keep the sport pure while also appealing to the wide audience. Trey and Greg Munson founded their own uh, competition in the late 99 called BattleBots. Today, uh, Trey credits BattleBots as his greatest uh, adventure and accomplishments. Uh, I would second that, only to say that getting back on TV for me, and uh, which is a happy occasion because I know how hard Trey and Greg worked on getting it back on TV. So with that, Trey, I'd like to welcome you to T3, the show. 
the way I'd like to proceed, we're going to have three segments. Uh, the first segment, we'll talk a little bit about your early uh, life in robotics and robot war and battle bots. The second segment, we'll talk about battle bots today. And uh, in the third segment, we'll talk about where BattleBots is going. So with that, everybody, I'd like to welcome Trey Roski, uh, the, the creator, the co-producer, director of BattleBots. Trey, welcome to the show, T3. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, it'll always be Colonel Jose Negron to me. <laughs> so, well, thank you, Trey. I appreciate it. I retired a few years back, and uh, as we uh, worked together uh, several years after my retirement uh, with uh, Bots IQ and, and your ambition to get BattleBots back on TV, I appreciate that compliment, and uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to our discussion today. So, Trey, let's talk about uh, your life, really, and what you did, uh, you know, that got you started in just robot, well, battles. What got you started? What, does, what? I guess, the interest, the impact of building robots to fight each other. What got you started there? Uh, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned at the beginning about being a geek. And, um, yes, I'm a geek. You know, I, I kind of look at that term and say, you know, if anybody, you know, wants to call me a geek, I, I would appreciate it. And when they do call me a geek, I, I kind of look at them and think that I'm smarter than they are. <laughs> that's what makes me a geek. Um, <laughs> no, you know, that's the, good. The whole idea of uh, playing with our toys and breaking our toys um, is something that I think many kids or, you know, boys do. And, and girls are probably getting more and more into it. Um, you know, it, you build a sandcastle and the funnest part about doing that is jumping on it afterwards, you know, and, right, and kind of right. busting it up. You know, it's almost better doing it that way than watching the ocean wash it away uh, right. or wear it out. And so, you know, Greg and I are cousins. Um, we, neither of us have brothers, so we're kind of brothers. Our mothers were sisters, which obviously makes us cousins. And um, we didn't have, you know, another male counterpart. In our, our mothers were very close, still are. And they talk every day, and they kind of um, pushed us together, as, and we always played together. And we used to break each other's toys and break our own toys, and we'd play with, you know, uh, cars, little gas-powered cars. I think they were called Cox cars back then. And we would try to smash them into each other. Um, and it was who could build the strongest car and who could, you know, make the, the thing the strongest. And we'd find ways to make them hit because many times they wouldn't hit each other on their own. Um, this was kind of before we could afford remote control. Um, right. We put them on strings and things like that where they'd race down the street and smash into each other or the curb or something, and we'd rebuild them and try to make them stronger. And that was kind of the, the first type of playing with um, robots that, you know, or cars or whatever that, that used to destroy each other. And then um, Greg was grew up with a couple people, one of them called Mark Satrakian and Peter Abramson. They went to school together in, in Northern California and uh, became very good friends. And Mark um, is probably one of the greatest engineers to date that I can think of. He has oh, okay. built things that are just unbelievable. Uh, right now, he's actually, I think if you look up... Uh, you know, I, I don't know the exact words. We could find it and somebody could put it online uh, for the audience. But the um, he's making robots for Disney that would, you know, replace humans in stunts. 
doing dangerous yes. stunts. So when, you know, a robot or when a person would, you know, there'd be an explosion or something flying through the air and they wanted a human to do that, you know, sometimes the human would actually do it. Sometimes they'd replace it with a dummy, which was pretty obvious on television. But he's actually making robots that move and react and act just like um, humans would uh, to replace them in those dangerous scenes in television, which is pretty amazing right now. Yes. Um, but Mark uh, Thorpe, um, who worked at ILM, and Mark Satrakian, who worked at ILM for George Lucas, both of them worked on Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark and other stuff, and they were in the uh, department making you know, various robots and spaceships and things like that. They um, were good friends, and Mark Thorpe um, thought of doing this, you know, this art show, I would call it, with robots, where, you know, robots would come and, and, and fight, and he invited his friends, and it, he did it very theatrically, which was amazing. Uh, he started that in 1994, uh, at which time Mark Satrakian invited Greg to come watch, and Cousin Greg went and watched and thought this was absolutely unbelievable and uh, told me about it and said, you got to come, you know, and we have to build a robot. So uh, Greg and I were looking around, found another friend, uh, Gage Couchois, who lived in Greg's building. And uh, we all decided to build a robot for this uh, 2000, I'm sorry, 1995 competition in, in San Francisco. And the first idea was to, you know, make, okay, we were trying to figure out what kind of robot to make. And back then, and even today, you know, we really didn't know what to build. Um, there, was, there was very little, if anything, that was built, nothing that was that successful. There had only been one real year that this had happened, uh, you know, as, as Robot Wars that Mark Thorpe created. Right. And um, so we were sitting around and we said, okay, what could we make? And I came up with the idea of making a, um, a boat prop, getting a big giant boat prop. You know, <laughs> I was thinking Titanic size, but obviously the weight limit wouldn't allow that at the time. Right. And, you know, this boat prop would spin around and it was basically, you know, three or four or whatever amount of props, wedges that would spin around and, um, you know, knock the other robots up and, and, and out. And in coming up with that idea, we figured, well, you know, first off, we didn't have much money and, um, with, you know, the weight limits and, and all the other uh, confinements wouldn't allow us to make that. So we settled on, you know, what Gage kind of came up with, which was just taking one piece of that boat prop um, and making that into a robot, which was a simple wedge. And it was made out of 6061 T6 aluminum aircraft aluminum, mm. very thin aluminum, and a wood box that held the batteries and the motors. Um, it, uh, it, we, we found these starter motors for RC boats and RC airplanes. Um, you'd stick this little electric starter motor on the Cox engine, um, and, you know, you'd push it, and it, would, it was very powerful, but they were limited-duty motors. Um, wow. Very powerful, little amount of juice, and we got two of those. We had a couple of those, and we used those as our motors, and they were um, phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. The funny part about it was we took the, we didn't have any money to buy batteries, so we took the battery out of Gage's Honda Civic, and that was our battery for the robot for the first event. And we didn't have a charger, so we had to try to make sure there was enough juice left to charge or to start his 
car and actually recharge the battery in the parking lot before we put it back in the next fight. So wow. little. The, those little are policy. interesting times, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. When I think about the was, RC uh, and the battery and the wooden box, how do you think that robot would have done today? When you when you compare what what you did and where it is today, it's just different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 come a long way. Um, it definitely wouldn't do as well today. There was a, you know, there was a lot to that little robot. It was very fast. We knew we had to make it very fast, um, and because of those starter motors, it was fast. And a lot of it was the driving too. You know, I, this is the only part I can really pat myself alone on the back um, was driving it. We, you know, I'm, I'm a helicopter pilot. And uh, driving remote control things and machinery from, you know, any type of backhoe truck or loader or any type of machine was always easy to me. It became natural. Right. And right. remote control stuff was also natural. I'd grab it and I'd be able to, you know, pretty much make it do anything I wanted to do. And, and the very first robot we had, we could not afford a speed controller. So we took window relays out of a car, uh, went to the junkyard, bought relays that are the, you know, hooked up to the switches. Uh, You push your button on your car window and it'd turn a relay and it would make the motor turn. So it was just on, off, forward or backwards. Uh, There was no amount of speed control. The tires turned full on, you know, either direction anytime you you push that button. And we had little light switches hooked up to servo motors. So we took servo motors out of a you know remote control, and you buy a remote control, and it has these little servo motors, and we took a link between that servo motor and turned on a light switch. And that light switch would actually turn the, the, the relay on and uh, turn the motor on. So it was a, definitely a difficult robot to drive because of the controls. Each wheel was independent on a stick. Oh, and, wow. you know, there was no speed controls. Yeah, we either full on one way or full on the other. Uh, and each wheel was, you know, whichever direction you had to turn it on. So it was um, very tricky to drive. However, you know, that instant speed uh, also gave us um, a unique ability to be able to pile robots up. Uh, right. We, were, right. we were an 80-pound robot. We didn't think we could compete in the 160-pound robot class, the, the heavyweights, because they had competed there for a year, and this was our first year. So we made an 80-pound robot. Mm-hmm. And it did it 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 wiped the arena clean with all the middleweight robots. And this was the hooker for me. Um, the 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 name La Machine was easy for the crowd to chant. And in the middleweight or in the heavyweight uh, rumble, the crowd since La Machine had done so well, the um, the crowd was chanting La Machine and stomping their feet on the floor. So they were kind of calling La Machine, the middleweight 80 pound, to go on the 160 pound competition. Mark right. <laughs> approached me. Greg was in the audience. Gage was somewhere else. You know, everybody, we were done. We had won, uh, you know, our, you know, division or middleweight division. Um, and, uh, you know, Mark Thorpe said, hey, do you want to enter it? The crowd's kind of calling for it. I don't really care. Um, it's going to get destroyed. But if you want to go in, go for it. And there was a heavyweight robot back then called Thor that was made by a company called Schilling Robotics. And it had a hydro- It was all hydraulic. It was basically a, a go-kart frame 
um, driven all by hydraulic motors, and it had this hammer that we've never quite seen the likes of even today. Chilling Robotics was a company who made the underwater submarine arms that would lift things up from underwater. And um, they had made a hydraulic accumulator, which was a, uh, a device that took hydraulic fluid and increased its power. And this hammer would come down so fast that it would literally take concrete and, and, sh- and vaporize it. It would shatter it. Wow. And he was wiping the arena clean himself through his heavyweight competition. And La Machine being wood and, you know, kind of thin aluminum um, was obviously, if it got struck by this hammer, was going to be uh, obliterated. And right. so I, I kind of said, yeah, let's put it in the competition. We brought it to get destroyed, and it hasn't yet, so let's go get it destroyed. And we piled all the heavyweights up, and it was pretty uh, a pretty good feeling. Um, the crowd went nuts. Uh, nobody could believe it. And, you know, we took Thor, and he was, you know, smoking and piled him up with the other robots and it i'm sure you can find the fight somewhere online it was a you know interesting experience at one point we got stuck in the boards and somebody i don't know somebody maybe had shook in the boards or maybe just the vibration of the other robots you know pushed us off the boards, and we came back to life basically and uh and took them all out and that was the hooker for me um it was kind of one of those meant to be experiences and that's when I absolutely knew that this was something special. Um, the energy in these events and in the audience and especially in the contestants is like something I've never experienced anywhere else. It is, I mean, the DARPA Grand Challenge had it too. Um, you know, there, there, there's just a certain energy and a certain camaraderie in right. Um, right. these group of people that do these things. Um, that, so, you know, they're, hey, Trey, let's hold that thought right now. We've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, so let me just uh, uh, say that, uh, folks, we're, we are talking to Mr. Trey Roski. We're talking about robotics combat. Yes, BattleBot is back. And we're going off to our first commercial break, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. 
This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests are people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to T3. Our show today is on robotic combat. Yes, BattleBot is back. Helping us discuss the topic today about robotic combat is, of course, a very special guest to me. He's the producer, co-creator, and BattleBot builder himself, Mr. Trey Roski. And Trey, uh, let me just do a quick recap for those audience that are joining us. Uh, Trey started, uh, of course, his robotic career in San Francisco, and, and really in 1995, he built the La Machine, won many uh, uh, local and international competition, uh, went against Thor. The excitement of the audience is uh, something that he will cherish and remember forever. And we were just getting into uh, really the difference between the Robo War and uh, audience at that time, which is really rudimentary based on some of the technology that Trey had uh, to use in today's BattleBot. So, Trey, let's continue on about the excitement in the arena and how you brought that forward into BattleBots and why BattleBots after RoboWar. Well, um, this is always a touchy subject. (laughs) So uh, I'll try to make a long story short. Mark Thorpe, who is, you know, a very creative and a wonderful, very intelligent engineer slash man, he, um, he got into bed with the wrong people, uh, you know, is what happened. Um, he ended up needing money. Um, somebody found him to give him some money, who I don't know exactly how much, but I'm sure it wasn't very much. Um, gave him a little bit of money, and then basically spent his time trying to steal or, you know, successfully steal, um, you know, Mark Thorpe's intellectual property, which was Robot Wars. Uh, And in today's, uh, you know, that guy still owns that uh, intellectual property. Mark Thorpe has nothing to do with um, Robot Wars anymore, as far as I know, uh, which is very sad. Um, But in that being stolen... Uh, gave us the opportunity, I guess, uh, if you want to put it that way, to start BattleBots. Actually, I, I never actually ever wanted to start BattleBots. I always wanted to be a competitor. Um, I was, uh, I felt I was kind of, you know, I, I 
somebody had to do it, and whoever was going to do it needed to do it right. Um, and I mean that by, you know, saying that they needed to make, you know, a good, clean, fun, true sport, 100% real, uh, and, you know, make it as safe as possible. Um, safety is, you know, the, the paramount to this. That's the beauty of BattleBots. I mean, here we've got, you know, a sport that, in, in my opinion, is one of the most destructive, violent sports, you know, out there, and nobody gets hurt. And that's the beauty of it. That's kind of the fun is we can, you know, we can destroy things, break things, find out who's, you know, smarter uh, to a certain extent. And, um, and, and nobody has to get hurt. Nobody has to feel pain. I, you know, I've never understood why um, me, you know, pers- this is a personal experience, but I've never really understood why people watch um, people hitting each other, boxing you know, this, this fighting or things like this, this violence that, that, you know, and when kids watch it, right. they mimic it, you know, in the old days, or, you know, you'd see the, the fake wrestling, but you see somebody hit, you know, somebody over the head with a chair. And then you hear a kid did that, you know, took a chair and hit his friend over the head. Well, that that's not good. You know, we don't want kids copying that. Why are we showing this on television? Why are we making heroes out of these, these people? And even today in other sports, simple sports, I mean, I, you know, I love watching hockey, um, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's, it, there's still, you know, a, a fair amount of violence in right. a lot of these sports. And, you know, why do we need that? Um, right, right, right. Well, I know working so, with you, Trey, over the, you know, five, six years that we work very closely together, uh, you know, safety was always on your mind. Uh, safety for the, uh, the rules, really, for um, creating the robot. Uh, the rules of the arena, and then the rules of uh, doing the match itself. So for those people out there that don't really follow BattleBots or understand the match itself, can you kind of describe how, you, you first of all, you choose the team, what the team goes by, and then how they get into arena and the arena size and the safety features of this arena, and then finally the competition. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so what happens today, what happened in the old days was anybody who built a robot and showed up at the event got a shot at the, at the title. And hopefully someday we can get back to that. Um, the last big event we did that, um, we had almost 600 robots show up. And it's very difficult to deal with um, that many robots and, and that many people. Each team had a minimum of four people. Some teams had six or eight people. So you could just tell the you know, do the math and figure out the right. structure that we had to put together to, uh, <laughs> to, yeah, it took forever. And it was, it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of work on everybody from the safety inspectors to the, you know, crew and the film crew and everything else. So the way we do it now is you submit your robot online. Um, it's only accessible to a, a you know, a couple people, uh, Greg and me and a, a safety inspector or two. And, um, you know, uh, we look at, the robots and, you know, you put all your design ideas in there. Um, you can do that before you even, you know, cut a piece of metal or a piece of wood or make your robot. And um, then we decide, you know, who's going to get in by that, uh, by that submission. Um, this has also allowed us to open the rules up. Um, when we used to have a rule book, the old rule book when we had 600 contestants was uh, probably about three inches thick. Uh, and what that did was stifle creativity. We had to try to think up everything everybody could do that we couldn't, 
allow for safety reasons or whatever reasons. And we had to create all these rules. And in some cases, you know, we could allow something if it, you know, if, if we felt it was safe uh, and it was something that we can contain within the battle box, but, um, but we couldn't do it, you know, in an open form. And, and part of the, you know, part of the, the magistry of, of building a battle bot is, you know, trying to think up something that somebody hasn't done before. And like reason Bradley, you know, um, and Alexander with Bronco or Toro, you know, those guys have always looked at the rules and said, okay, you know, what can we do that's not in these rules? Um, and if you remember Derek Young last yep. season, uh, mm-hmm. he, you know, added a net to his robot because, uh, you know, the rules, the new rules, which are very simple, didn't say you couldn't have, uh, you know, a, a, a net. But and, you hit on a um, very key, Trey, excuse me, but you hit on a very key uh, subject, and, and, and because, and I see this in, you know, in any R&D project, the more rules that you have, it really con- constrains the innovation and the technology people bring. So uh, you've learned that uh, o- over time, and, and I guess reduced a little bit of the rules or relaxed them a little bit to see what the creativity would bring. And, and you're absolutely yeah, right. I think uh, the competitors themselves, they they want to create, they want to invent, they want to show you something that you've never seen before. Right. Yeah. And we just so, want to make a safe event and right. we want to be able to contain what you can, you know, bring. And as long as we can do that and, you know, and we can have the next fight. <laughs> and then there's one more thing, which sometimes goes first, uh, you know, is make great television. You know, what, one thing I've learned over the years is, you know, it's important to make great TV and wedges, for example, we with La Machine were the very first wedge. Um, it was great the first year, but it, uh, you know, it, it became boring. And so we don't allow wedges anymore. Um, you know, you now you have to have an active weapon. And that active weapon through the, the future years is going to become more prominent. Um, this year we had a couple, you know, borderline what I would call active weapons, um, really great, strong robots like in Duck or whatever that, uh, that came. Um, but it was just kind of right. a lifting weapon. It wasn't really what I would consider an active weapon. And, and next year, Duck is going to have to step up his game. That weapon is not going to be, you know, considered an active weapon. Um, but making great television is very important. Part of the, you know, we want kids to watch. We need people to watch um, for this show to last. Uh, you know, when we started and made it on uh, Comedy Central, I never thought television was that important. And as you know, um, you helped us with BattleBots IQ and Bots IQ when we were working on our high school and college competitions. Um, you know, I didn't think the television was needed for that. Um, and I was wrong. Um, yeah. TV is, is needed. You need, you know, and I, I look back now and I've kind of figured out that, you know, I don't think there would be baseball if there wasn't little league and there wouldn't be little league if there wasn't pro baseball, they need each other and right. baseball needs television for kids to be interested. You know, they, Basketball needs TV for kids to be interested in, in play basketball and they need each other. You know, this gets kids interested in it. They, they get their heroes uh, and, you know, they want to play and become good at it. And we want to make heroes out of engineers, out of smart people, out of geeks, 
that's our goal is let's, you know, it's time for intelligent people to, you know, not that boxers aren't intelligent necessarily, but some of those fighters are extremely intelligent. Um, but, no, you know, but this is I, showing I make, this is showing their innovation, their creativity, the the integration of the technology materials that I see on the on your bots, the uh, the different weaponry, the active weapons that you see on your bot. I mean, your next show is uh, coming up on uh, Wednesday at nine p.m. on the on the Science Channel. So those folks who uh, have never seen Battle Bots, I suggest you uh, uh, turn into the Science Channel Wednesday at nine p.m. East Coast time, and you'll get to see. I believe it's the eighth episode of BattleBots. So the creativity uh, that uh, Trey, and this is what I'm always flabbergasted, uh, you and Greg created, and safety is always number one, but the the continue that and the competitors, uh, for some reason, you're always able to attract folks. And uh, can you talk a little bit about that? They just come out of the woodwork, I think. Um, Explain what you mean. Well, for example, you have uh, you have people who are constant. You know, you got your regular folks who uh, have uh, started BattleBots, and then you have your beginners who have started BattleBots. And you kind of uh, through competition or elimination, uh, you get to the best folks, and you see the type of weaponry. And people are always out there trying to beat the winner. They're always out there trying to beat the winner, and it's a constant repetition. And because of great TV, as you mentioned, great TV, uh, that's what you're trying to produce. And the and the competitors are sitting there. I'm going to go beat that. I'm going to create something different because he just pulverized me. But I'm going to go beat that uh, machine. Uh, at least in my mind, that's how I see BattleBots and the creativity. The people who get together, uh, they come from different disciplines. So uh, anyway, that's kind of what I was referring to. Uh, you see it firsthand. Yeah, so um, you look at this season. Um, basically, there's 20 episodes in this season that we we just created. And, you know, Tombstone, who was our winner last year, is doing really well. I mean, he hasn't lost a fight. Um, I'm not going to give away who wins. Um, but, uh, you know, Tombstone and a lot of the other robots, a lot of people come with an idea Win or lose, they keep perfecting that idea uh, until they figure they've got it to the point where it can't be, you know, perfected anymore or it, it's never going to be a winner. Um, so you'll see people come back with the same, you know, robots improved. And Tombstone has been one of those robots that has come back, you know, from its beginning to now to, you know, and, and improving itself. And it has lost, you know, some fights. It wasn't, you know, it, it took a long time up until basically last year um, till it ever won BattleBots. And it, it, it's an incredible robot. The, the little things, the little designs in that robot that, that he has done um, are amazing and stuff that people don't even realize. Uh, I got a phone call the other day from uh, somebody who was saying, oh, I could beat Tombstone. I'm going to make a weapon that's going <laughs> to go hit his chain. His chain yes. is right there. It's so accessible. I'm going to do this. And I, you know, my response to all of them is build it. You know, don't build sit here and yeah. call me and talk about it. Build it and show <laughs> up and, and really see what it is. Now, Tombstone has figured that out himself. Ray has said, okay, people are going to go after my chain. I know this. They've tried this before. So right before the fight, and his robot is usually turned on last. Um, usually the way I power him up is I turn on the most dangerous robot last, so there's nobody in the arena except me and the robot turning it on. 
um, he, he sees what that person has done. He sees like if they set something up to aim for that spot where his chain is, and he can heighten and lower that chain spot right there immediately before the flight, before the fight. Um, which wow. is, people don't realize, yeah. but if you watch him power up, he turns this little thing and lifts up this little spinner or drops it down a little bit. And, you know, it, these are little things that people don't realize. And now that weapon, your opponent's weapon, you know, who was planning on hitting that chain is not going to hit it because it's in a different location. Right. Um, so, so we talked a little bit about Tombstone and the robots itself and, and really the innovation technology. Folks, you need to go watch this show and, and, and see uh, the type of robots they're building. But let's talk – Trey's been mentioning safety. Uh, the battle box itself has its own safety features. Can you describe that a little bit, Trey, for our audience? Yeah, so the ba- got about battle box has been in yeah. – okay, so – talk quick. The battle box has been an evolution from the beginning. Um, at the beginning, the robots weren't very tough. So actually we made these metal barriers from the Lexan between the walls and the Lexan that would bend when the robots hit them because on television, it made the robots look tougher. Since then, the robots have gotten unbelievably tough. The walls now are bulletproof glass, inch and a half thick of laminate, uh, a very special type of Lexan called LexGuard. Uh, and it's, we're kind of the largest, probably, user of it. Um, it's not cheap stuff. It will, uh, and, and the arena itself is actually designed to absorb energy, um, which is interesting. Um, it, it's a very flexible design to a certain extent and rigid in other places. So the actual yeah, border walls are very. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a, a double layered roof on the box now, so it you know can, has to go through two layers if anything was ever to get up there. Um, and it, it it's basically fifty feet by fifty feet. Uh, it's twenty three feet tall. Um, has it starts at two feet up, and under the floor are various weapons, and you'll see those evolve throughout the uh, the future of BattleBots. Um, you know we have some saw blades that come out of the floor. The arena weapons are really there to be used for um, robots after, you know, after they get beat up and to see who can strategically survive the other opponent. They don't come into action until the last minute of the battle. So they're three-minute battles, the first two minutes. It's basically up to the robots to decide. The hammers are active, but they are controlled by the contestants. And various okay. new weaponry that we're working on will be controlled by the contestants. So each team will have ways to use the arena to their advantage. Okay. Um, All right. So let's then, let's stop there, Trey. Let's stop there. We'll carry it on. And when, uh, when we come back from our break, we're, folks, we're talking to uh, the creator of BattleBots, Mr. Trey Roski, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs. 
and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Divorce or domestic family issues can take their toll not only on the adults who are party to it, but also to their children. Sometimes separation or divorce are far better solutions than staying around a toxic relationship. Now there's a show that listens and provides solutions. Listen for Reclaiming Your Life with host Don Christensen. In this program, we discuss family crisis issues which can happen to anyone. Divorce with dignity is possible, and working together can achieve wonderful results. Listen Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. In fitness and health, we all deserve a second chance. Join host Michael Skog for the program, You Only Stronger. You always have the ability to start fresh, even if you slip up on your diet or fitness program. Even small steps taken throughout the day can help. Each show will conclude with weekly assignments that you can use and will want to hear your feedback. You Only Stronger airs live Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Uh, this is Jose Negro, your host, and uh, my guest today is Mr. Trey Roski, uh, co-creator and producer of BattleBots. Our discussion today is on robotic combat. Yes, BattleBots is back. His co-creator, Greg Munson, is was unable to be with us today, but I'm looking forward to getting his experience. Uh, perspective, experience, and development of the BattleBots as he and Trey started from the very beginning. My understanding is, uh, is Greg is on vacation in Europe, so have a wonderful time, Greg. And Trey and I will carry on uh, discussing the future of BattleBots. Uh, Trey, we, we ended a little bit uh, on the arena, the safety feature of the arena. The arena has really been rebuilt uh, with the new uh, LexGuard that you have put on there into double layers and everything else in the size, 50 by 50, uh, so forth and so on. Is there anything else you want to add to the arena before we move on to the next uh, next generation of battle bots that you see? Uh, be so protective. I feel very comfortable standing next to that glass during these fights that, you know, I'm going to be safe and everybody else is going to be safe. It's a, it's a great uh, testament to engineering itself. I mean, our, our, our robot is the battle box now, or my robot now is the battle box. And that's, uh, that's the way I look at it. So, yeah, I understand that. And, uh, and it's really important. Uh, got a phone on the background there, Trey. Sorry. 
That's okay. Uh, we'll continue on. We've talked about the competitors and the and their design on the new robots, and they come there. And as Trey mentioned, it's an evolutionary process. Very few just throw their designs away and start over. They just evolve and, and create. And, and if you see the show, like I said, the next show is on the Science Channel, 9 o'clock Wednesday, uh, East Coast time. And you can see the various uh, robots compete. But it's the technology. Technology, the innovation, the creativity, the the excitement that the show brings that keeps the competitors back. And of course, as as Trey mentioned, his his bot right now is the Battle Box, and the reason it's the box is is for safety, ensure that uh, the audience and, and the folks participating are, are are safe. Now let's turn to new uh, the new Battle Bots uh, or new rules on application of weaponry on these robots. I think you're changing a lot. I, I read uh, there are going to be, uh, Swarm's been around, but I don't think we've really designed a good robot with Swarm capability. Uh, I know that uh, the air piece of that with projectiles is is possibly being developed or has developed but hasn't matured and there's other weaponry uh, Trey that you may want to expand on and I, I love the fact before you continue uh, I love the fact that you've kind of uh, uh, you know reduced the rules a little bit and improved the creativity of the competitors coming into the arena so let's talk about the future of uh, the uh, the bot itself in the competition and then we'll talk about battle Lots in general. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump to the rules real quick because that kind of starts the whole thing. You know, so like I said before, the, the rule book was almost three inches thick, and you know now it's pretty simple. And even then, when it was that thick, my, you know, when people would ask me about the rules, I'd say, look, it's common sense. That's the rules. Have common sense. You can build anything you want, um, and that has pretty much stayed the same. You know, and when I say that, I mean, you know, we, there are certain things you can't, uh, we can't allow um, just because they're dangerous or could breach the box or something like that. And this year, for example, the box was made uh, so much better that we could allow an untethered projectile. So we had our first robot made by these attorneys um, that uh, ended up having a five five-pound slug. It was about three inches long and maybe an inch and a half, two inches round, uh, and it shot this, this slug out. And we, can, we could allow that before your projectiles had to be tethered. Um, but because of the quality of the box and what we've done with the box, we could allow that. Uh, so the rules have evolved because of that. But people come up where obviously we can't allow dynamite. That would, you know, that, that could breach the box. So we're not going to allow gunpowder and dynamite. And then we're not yep. going to allow things that, that you can't see on television because they're not exciting. You know, if radio jamming, for example, or electrically shocking the other robot, you can't see this stuff. You know, when a robot mm -hmm. just stops moving because it got electrically shocked, if you can't see it, that does not make good TV. And it is okay. important for us to make good television. The other thing is like glue. People say, well, I'll just glue them to the floor. Well, if we can't hold the next event then that's not going to work either. We can't allow somebody to do something that would not allow us to, uh, to hold the next fight. Um, but, we, you know, for years we didn't allow fire. Now we allow fire. Our box can contain, you know, flammables and uh, fire. There are some limits to that. Untethered projectiles. Um, this is kind of a, a questionable one. This was one that was for, 
you know, television um, purposes. When a net just went out or something went and entangled a person, people want to see impact and action and damage. And right. a net is none of that. You know, it, it's a clever idea. We had some kids once, uh, nine and 10 year old, uh, that had gaffers tape between a multi bot. And they went up against this other robot, and they ended up duct taping him down to the floor. It was phenomenally exciting. It was another great idea. Uh, full credit to them for, you know, coming up with this idea. But if we saw every fight, somebody being duct taped down to the floor, it would get boring. Boring, So we yeah. came up with a rule saying, you know, no entanglement devices. Um, you know, but basically, it's common sense. So now we've eliminated, you know, most of the rules and just said, look, submit your ideas. We'll look at it. If you've got something that, you know, falls in these categories that doesn't make good TV or something we can't contain or isn't safe, then we won't allow it. But we can help steer you to making something that would work. Um, and we're always looking for great ideas. I mean, it, it, this is an event uh, that I think doesn't have an end doesn't have an end of what people can think up and create. Uh, there's always somebody going to show up with something new, and there always has been. Uh, and those new ideas are usually pretty successful. Sometimes, you know, they're not, they don't win the first time, but they're pretty successful, and these guys keep coming back and dial them in, and eventually they will win. Um, okay. I look at Chomp, uh, made by Zoe. Um, you know, this is kind of our, our first almost fully autonomous robot. Mm. Uh, it has a hammer. Uh, the intricacy in this robot, it basically hunts, seeks, you know, and fires its weapon and flamethrower at its opponent by itself. Um, and it, it can write itself. Um, it, it's not the greatest, you know, design yet, um, but they're getting it dialed in. And I think, you know, with the technology that's in there, they, they have a camera they put at the top of the arena that everyone has access to, that it right. tracks itself and tracks its opponent. And, um, you know, like I said, punk seeks and tries to destroy its opponent. And this is, no, this is where I think the future goes. Yeah. Yep, you yep. know, um, this is, this is that, you know, using this part of technology and using this kind of creativity and, and fi you know, solving these, these, you know, algorithms Absolutely. and math problems Absolutely. and figuring out how to make Absolutely. this work is what's important to me. So let me uh, just uh, deviate a little bit. Uh, uh, as uh, the audience may not know, uh, Trey Roski uh, participated in the Grand Challenge 2004. He was in the first chase vehicle. We had four people in the first chase vehicle. We had a driver from Square International, which uh, drove uh, off-road. And then we had two government uh, folks there so that they can officially tally. And we had a volunteer in each of the chase vehicles, all 15 of them at, at the time. And Trey was uh, under he was in lead vehicle number one who follows sandstorm so trey can you describe to the audience uh you know uh, basically you you got picked for sandstorm you were watching sandstorm you followed it through the uh, let's let's narrow it uh, competition day when you just follow sandstorm and and we went off uh, almost 30 45 miles an hour so i'll let you describe that event this this was a highlight of my life, um, being the you know the creator owner of BattleBots. You know I've gotten to do a few things that are pretty special, um, but this was this was definitely um, the highlight. 
you know, so if you want me to just jump, because there's a lot of great stuff that happened before that you well, know, race you, started. You talk. Um, you talk. We got about four could, minutes, and you tell me what okay. you got to do. In four <laughs> <laughs> I can talk for hours on this one, but, um, yeah. you know, the, the one of the funniest things I remember is when Sandstorm made it around the test track um, to get into the competition on its first, and it was the first car to fully autonomously um, drive itself around the racetrack. Um, it, uh, you know, the, one of the last tests were after dodging all these vehicles and everything else it had to do was they slammed the gate in front of the robot. So it didn't know it was there. It looked like, you know, to the car, it looked like it was a wide open road and this gate came sliding out in front and it had to stop. And of course, Sandstrom did stop, except it just stopped in one inch after hitting that gate. So it was locking up the brakes, but it was going so fast that the momentum was carried through and it had this impact to the gate and the gate fell over. And right wow. then I okay. thought, oh, this is BattleBot. This is great. <laughs> and I remember the radio going kind of crazy, uh, you know, with everybody. Did, did anybody turn it off? Did it stop itself? It stopped itself and it was clear it naturally was the first robot that was, uh, you know, in the competition officially, which was, was pretty spectacular. But, you know, Red Whitaker and his team, um, you know, from MIT were amazing kids. And, uh, you know, their um, ability to, to pull off and do what they did. Um, you know, I think their failure that year, which, you know, wasn't a failure by any means, um, was they really were in a race and they were trying to make it go a little bit too fast. They were trying to compete and be the, the first one across that line. And, you know, at the end, when it went off the road, um, it went off the road because it went around a corner just a little too fast and, um, you know, kind of okay. slid out. And uh, that corner was about vehicle, a, over a 180-degree turn, too. And what people yeah. don't know uh, is that they had rolled that vehicle almost a week or two prior to the competition. So they had just totally rebuilt it. You got about a 60 seconds there, Trey. Yeah, it was on a cliff. Uh, you know, it... Um, uh, the, the, another funny thing, and I remember getting on the radio, so we left the gate, the starting line, um, and Sandstrom is right just, you know, flat out as fast as it goes a Hummer, so they're not that fast, but as fast, I'm sure it was floored. We're in a chase vehicle chasing it, and um, out in the first corner, there's one of, one of the DARPA guys out there waving flags, you know, saying, like, here's the first corner, standing in the middle of the road. And I remember getting on the radio and calling back to all you guys saying, hey, you know, you better get that guy off the road because the road. there's nobody <laughs> driving that car. You know, there's yeah. nobody seeing this guy. And I thought, exactly. no, it was crazy. But it was, yeah, yeah. you know, and then we hit a fence and, you know, a few other things and, uh, you know, finally went off the road. But, it, you know, it, it was quite an accomplishment. I mean, it made it, you know, almost eight miles. Um, yep. And, you know, through the tests of... Uh, you know, well, everything seven, being thrown 7. at it. 7.4 miles there, Trey, and everything. We've got about 30 seconds left. So let, let me just say uh, that's a story. We'll have to come back and tell that story, Trey. I'm looking forward to that conversation. I think you're the first guy that we've interviewed or I've talked to about in the chase vehicle. But uh, uh, the thing I want to tell everybody, and, and I'm sure you do too, you know, you're creating an exciting TV show. It's about robotics. It's about innovation, creativity. Uh, yes, there's destruction on the way but that's uh you know that's the fun part about tv you want to make it a good tv action so let me just say thank you very much for coming on the show 
as I promised, the show would go very quickly, and it did. And I want to thank, uh, uh, if you guys are interested in advertising, please reach uh, my executive assistant, Dee Daniels. And, of course, I can't do this show without uh, Alexandra Loreno. I called her A3. And our next tech show is going to be just as exciting and interesting. And, te- uh, Trey, thank you very much from the bottom of my heart coming on board. And uh, hopefully we'll get Greg and get his perspective. But I'd love to follow up with you just on the excitement of the Grand Challenge down the road. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, this is the Entity 3 for this week. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week. 